Good morning, church. How's everybody this morning? Good. It's great to hear. If you don't know me and it's your first time here, my name is Pastor Brock, and I'm the pastor of Agape Church. We're just so glad that everyone was able to gather this morning, and we all did it. We made it through uh, Spring Forward. Yes? Amen. That's nothing like that was really mild for um, how big of a deal it is, especially for those of you. I see one baby. For those of you with young kids, you did it. I have a two and a half year old and it is like it's a different world. Time change. I didn't care before. um, But when you have a kid, your whole world in general as a father, you just get grumpy about everything. Um, And. Then you get especially grumpy about daylight savings because it screws with your whole schedule, their sleep schedule. Nobody's sleeping. It's all up. It's horrible. And so anyway, we made it. Rant over. Um, I hope everybody's doing well this morning. We're in our fourth part of our signs series. And this is a sermon series where we're just walking through the book of John. And we're looking at different signs or miracles that Jesus performed. Um, and then we're looking at how we can apply them to our lives and so this is, I love any time I get to talk about Jesus directly, because we talk about him every week, but I love when we get to talk about him directly, and I love talking about miracles and about faith, and so this has been a great series. Uh, has anyone been encouraged? It's great. Um, glory to God, and we're just excited to get in his word and be encouraged by his word. Uh, can I just remind us that it's not the performance up here, it's not Anything that we put on, it's not the words I say, it's the power of God's presence that changes us. Uh, It's the power of the word that changes us. And when we lean into the word, then we get consistency and we get good perspective and we get truth in our lives. And then we can go and we can help shift and change other people's lives for God's glory. I think we shy back and, and we hide behind system and we forget about the power of the spirit. Church structure is a fun thing. Um, it's really stressful for me, but my dad, Pastor Bob, loves it. And, like, somehow he's sick in his head, and he loves structure. He loves system. He loves all that, and lots of pastors love doing that. Um, and it's great, and it's beautiful, but I'm here to say that we're going to be a church that's founded on the presence of God. That's our foundation. And through that, uh, we want to reach and help and use and tell the broken people that there's a healer. Tell the people who are dead inside their souls that there is life, and his name is Jesus. That's why we exist. And so our church, as we grow and as we progress, we're going to get more and more messy. Um, And I just want to speak that over us, but it's going to be beautiful because when messy comes in, then Jesus is the one that can fix and heal. So get ready. I think we're at the spot now where we're going to start seeing lots of mess, which is a beautiful thing, because uh, God is good. You can't systemize mess, but we can rely on the power of God. Amen? So I love getting together every week and opening up the Bible and just getting encouraged by his word. Uh, this week, we're looking at John chapter 6, verses 1 through 14. And so if you want to throw that up on the screen, um, we can read this together. It was, it's a longer passage, and so bear with me. And I had my, my physical Bible, but it's up in my backpack, so I'm just reading up on the screen here. Again, two-year-old and time change. Not a good. <clears throat> says this. After this, Jesus went away to the other 
side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Why does it have two names? I don't know. Two, and a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming towards him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? I love this. He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. We're going to come back to that next. Philip answered him, 200 denarii, whatever that is, worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? <clears throat> I want to speak real quick to someone who feels like you're not enough. Five barley loaves and two fish, and then he says, but what are they for, for so many? You ever feel like that? Who am I for what God has for me? Who am I to even navigate through life? I want to speak to you and tell you you are filled with the love and the power of Christ. You are redeemed. You are set free. You are alive in your spirit if you know Jesus. And so that's who you are. And so God can take crumbs and fish and multiply them, and he can use you. Too. He can use me, which is a miracle, we all know. Jesus said, have the people sit down. I love how he doesn't even answer the question. <laughs> now there was much grass in the place, that's good. So the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. Let's pray. Jesus, we just uh, lean into you this morning. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would use me to deliver your word. God, I speak open hearts and open ears to hear and receive your word for each individual this morning, God. It's not my word. It's your word for them, Lord. So I pray, um, pray receptivity over us this morning. God, I pray for um, those of us who feel just broken. I pray that we can be healed by you today. God, I pray for those of us who are doubting that we can be nudged by you to keep on pressing forward in faith today. I pray for those who are anxious that you'd be their prince of peace today. God, I pray that we look more like you than when we walked in on our way out, God. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for all that you've done and all that you are going to do. In your name, amen. Amen. Now, 
I have a gift for you guys, and it's that my message is two points today. Um, that's a good gift. It's daylight savings. Let's get it. Two points. Um, and they're real simple. Again, I've loved this series, and I was writing this message, and when I finished writing this, I realized that every single one of my points for every single sermon thus far, I'm not promising that it's going to continue, but they were all two words, each point. And so I've been like, this is really easy stuff to remember and apply it to our lives. Um, I didn't plan that. That's the grace of God or coincidence. I don't know. But first point is this. I want to tell someone that Jesus knows. Not Jesus snows. We don't want to speak snow. Snow is things of the devil. Best thing, I, I can drop the mic and we can go home. Um, <laughs> Jesus knows. I hope you let that truth resonate in your heart this morning. Now, there's this book, if you've heard of it, it's like about these five love languages. Um, if you haven't, that's fine. It's a book and it's about these five love languages. So you're filled in. And the love languages are, I might get some of them wrong, but it's like gifts acts of service, quality time, physical touch, and something else, doesn't matter. Um, but there's five different love languages, and his theory, thesis of the book, is that you are one of the love languages as your primary, and so how you receive love is through this certain avenue. So if it's acts of service, uh, and, I w and you wake up, and your wife cooked you breakfast, then you f you're feeling the love, you know what I mean? Um, and if you know me, you know I'm, I'm, I'm shallow, if that's okay. And my love language is gifts. Sorry. It's nothing deep. It's gifts. Get me a present. You want to show me you love me? Get me something. Cup of coffee. Anything. Um, and so growing up, I received love from my parents. Not when they cooked dinner for me. That was obligatory. Cook me dinner. It's your job. Um, <laughs> I received love when they got me stuff. And so Christmas was like the, the pinnacle of me feeling loved by my parents. And now I think it was like 10th or 11th grade, maybe 9th grade, whatever, in high school. And I really wanted an Xbox 360 for Christmas. Now I started priming, I'm, I'm I was wise ab uh, above my years, and I started priming the pump in about April. And so I was telling them months in advance, be prepared. I want and borderline expect an Xbox 360 for Christmas. I even said I'll help pay for some of it with my birthday money and kind of like, you know, sweeten the deal a little bit. But in the back of my head, I'm like, you know, I'm not actually going to do that, but I'm willing. <laughs> um, and so I've been, I was talking about it for months and months and months and months. Xbox 360, Xbox 360. I just wanted Xbox Live and to play Call of Duty. Um, that was like, yes. Um, and now, months later, they knew. Now, we were by no means wealthy, but my dad made money. Like, we, we had a house. We had things. Like, we, we weren't struggling. And... Um, my, each of my parents had cars. It was we, I had a great upbringing. So I'm like, okay, Xbox 360, it's about 200 bucks. If it's all I get, that's great. Um, 
I know they can afford that. And so, like, it's happening. And so I pump myself up. Christmas morning happens. And I, and I said, just get me an Xbox. Don't You don't have to spend a dime on anything else. Don't worry. Don't even use creative thinking. Don't waste your time. Don't waste your money. It's okay. Xbox 360, for the love of God, and Xbox 360. Now, Christmas morning comes, and uh, I'm tearing through my gifts. Oh, Argyle sweater, sweet. Socks, awesome. Um, I got a couple of other, like, I like jeans. That was a good item. Stuff like that. A um, couple movies and such. They always would get me, like, some sort of Max Licato book that I never read. Um, stuff like that. Opened up all that stuff. I was like, thank you, guys. And I have no more gifts. And I didn't get my Xbox 360. And now I was trying to put on, like, a brave face. But again, I'm not, like, a brat. It was, it's literally just how I receive love. So please empathize with me a little bit. Like, it's how I receive love. So I felt not like, not like I was a spoiled brat and they didn't get a chance to spoil me. It was like they don't love me, <laughs> which I know seems ridiculous to those of you whose love language is not gifts. But if it is, you know what I'm talking about. It's like they don't love me. My dad hates me. I helped him all year redo this whole stinking basement, tear down walls, redoing our whole house. Xbox, and, and so I just, but I was holding it in, and I, in my, my mind, I was like, be brave, be brave, be brave, be brave, I don't want to get yelled at, I'm grateful, I have a house, you know what I'm saying, then it was like 15 minutes later, my dad mumbles something about going to the kitchen to grab coffee or something, I wasn't paying attention, I was trying to talk myself off the ledge, <laughs> and he goes in the kitchen, and he comes back, holding my Xbox 360. <laughs> Surprised me with it, and we can know he's a sick man. <laughs> That's psychological torture. This was in, like, what, 2007? So now, like, you'd be put up in jail for that psychological torment? It's sick. <laughs> and the worst part is the whole time he's watching me, you know what I mean? With his, he's got these gray eyes and they're really intense. And so he's watching me, and he's like in the back of his head, he's laughing, and it's the greatest gift. See, he doesn't get gifts from me, so he does the, these ruses to make me suffer, and that's his gift. That's his gift. That was his Christmas gift. Was watching me open gift and pretend to be grateful, and then like hold back tears at the end, and then he brought out the Xbox 360, and. You can all just go, like, give him a punch or something. I don't know. Like, that's messed up. But he came through. He came through, and he knew the whole time. I love verse 6. It says, Jesus said this to test them. He said, where are we going to get this bread? For he himself knew what he would do. Jesus himself knew the outcome of the situation. Isn't that a hopeful truth this morning? 
that Jesus, he knew the outcome of that situation, and guess what? He knows the outcome of your situation as well. Whatever you're struggling with, we all have something. And if you're good, just save this message for a rainy day. It'll be here soon. We all have something that we're going through. And I want to tell us that Jesus knows. He knows the outcome. So we don't have to live, listen, in anxiety in the unknown because Jesus knows the outcome. He himself, he knew how he was going to solve the problem, and a lot of times we get focused on our problems, as I do, and I forget that to focus on Jesus because he knows the solution. Jesus knew how he was going to feed these 5,000 or 7,000 people, however many were actually there, 5,000 men, thousands of people. Jesus, Jesus knew the outcome, but he didn't tell them the outcome because he wanted to strengthen their faith a little bit in this moment. I think he wanted to just see where they were at and, and show them that he has the outcome. There's a lot of unknown in life, isn't there? At least in my life. I don't know if I'm talking to anyone, but if, if I'm not, I'm preaching to myself, which is good. This is therapeutic. Um, there's a lot of unknown in life. And I think a mistake that I often make, and, and, and I don't want to project this on you, but we're all human and in this together, so maybe you make the same mistake too, is you, we have the wrong posture in the unknown. My posture in the unknown is a posture of anxiety. Because there's this, there's this gap here. Like, I'm following Jesus, and where's my dinner? <laughs> That's what these people were thinking. I'm following Jesus, and where's my fill-in-the-blank? Where's my peace? I'm following Jesus. Where is my money? I don't have any money. I'm following Jesus. Why won't my kid sleep? Is my kid demon-possessed? I'm following Jesus. Why isn't this outcome happening? Why isn't it happening the way that I expected it to happen, the way that I think it's going to happen? I'm following Jesus. And then, so in this unknown that, that we often live in, I, I, I often take a posture of anxiety. And so I focus on the unknown, and I think about the unknown. And, and when you focus on the unknown and take a posture of anxiety, you're going to have perpetual anxiety. So then I'm freaking out now because I don't know what's happening. I don't know the outcome. I don't know why I'm here. And so now I start to question God. I start, I start to, to, to lose my faith in an instant because I put my faith in an outcome instead of putting my faith in Jesus. And so we, we, we backpedal in our faith, and, and then we question God, and then we doubt God, and we wonder if he's here. We wonder if he's good. We wonder if all of this is just fake and if it's even worth it. We wonder if all of our past experiences and when he came through with us before was just coincidence. And God, where are you right now when I need you the most? God, I need you to work. God, I need you to come through. God, I need you to provide. God, I need you to give me the answers. Listen, Jesus knows the answer. Jesus knows how he's going to provide. Jesus 
knows what he's going to do. So I want us to change our posture as I change my posture and, and change it to a posture of trust and knowing that Jesus knows so I don't have to know. If Jesus knows the solution and I don't know, that's okay because if I don't know the solution, I'm not responsible for the outcome. If I don't know, I'm not responsible. So I just want to follow Jesus. I just want to trust Jesus. I just want to be with Jesus and have him be responsible for the outcome. But the problem is a lot of times I put more faith in the outcome than I put faith in Jesus. And when our faith is more in it, and we have more faith in an outcome than we do in, in the God who knows the outcome, that's a big gap in our lives. And no wonder we're stressed. No wonder we're anxious. No wonder we can't sleep at night. No wonder we question and we doubt and, and we, we, we just scrape through life and barely follow Jesus and barely love Jesus and barely believe Jesus. It's because we have our faith in, in, in the outcome instead of our faith in the God who knows the outcome. But listen, let's shift our posture and let's know that Jesus knows. And if Jesus knows the outcome and Jesus knows how he's going to do it, then that should be enough for us to trust him. Because he's came through in the past and he's going to come through again. Amen? Am I talking to anybody this morning? You want to be unhappy? Put your faith in the outcome. You ever see the thing where they like actually put a stick on, a, on the back of an animal and then they make them chase the food? Like we've seen it in cartoons probably, but in real life, have you seen it? Hilarious. <laughs> Can't catch up. And it just keeps running and running and running and running and running and running. And then I got to get this. 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 I need this. I need this. I need this. I need this. Stop running. Stop striving. Stop seeking an outcome. Stop where you're at. Plant your feet and look up and say, Jesus, I trust you to provide what I need. I know you have the answer. And I know you have the solution. And I know you can, you can do miracles and move mountains to provide for me. Because I know that you know, so I don't have to know. I just get to trust and stand here and watch you do it. I wonder how much more peace we would have if we just stood and trusted God. Because listen, Jesus knows. Amen? Jesus knows. And number two, Jesus provides. Jesus provides. Uh, it was like three years ago, I think. Right when we left, I was full time at a church. I was a youth pastor, and we left to start this thing. And the church has been this church has been open a year, but obviously there was all the prep work before we opened, um, actually convincing people to help us open a church that didn't exist, which is a lot harder than it sounds. Um, I don't know why I didn't think it sounded hard, and then you do it, and you're like, well, what in the world did I just do? <laughs> but I got this job at a coffee shop. Um, right out of the church job, and so I was just transitioning into this coffee shop job. And they were hiring a bunch of people because it was 
It was a new coffee shop. They were really busy, and they needed more staff. Perfect. So they were hiring full-time people. And in my interview, I said all I asked the dude over and over, like, I don't care what I do I, like at all. I'm not interested in what I do for the job. But am I full-time? Will I be full-time? He said yes. And I asked him over and over and over again because Katie wasn't working. We had... Maisie, who was two months old. Okay, so this was two years ago. Duh. Um, Maisie was two months old, and I asked him over and over, am I full-time? Yeah. Are you sure? Full-time as in 40 hours, four zero hours. Yes. Listen, you understand I'm leaving a job that I was salary. I had a health benefits. Do you know what that is? Health benefits. I'm leaving that. I need you to tell me that I have 40 hours. I have a two-month-old baby. My wife ain't working. She can barely walk. 40 hours. Am I, can I get 40 hours, please? Yes. Is it guaranteed? Yes. Okay. So just to clarify... You're going to give me on the schedule 40 hours. I will walk in here. I will clock in for 40 hours per week, and then I will clock out, and I will get paid for 40 hours a week. Yes. Okay. I'll see you next week. Okay, so it was a few weeks later. It was my first, my first week, and they, they have this scheduling app, and so I get, uh, I get the app. I download the app. I'm all excited. I'm like, this is awesome. I don't have to go in and look at a piece of paper like when I worked at McDonald's in high school. This is great. Um, and so I look at the app. It alerts me. Schedule's posted. Now, it was posted for the following week on a Sunday. <laughs> the week started the Monday before. Great. Um, or the week started the Monday, like the next day. And posted the schedule, and I had 22 hours. And I was like, all right, God. Didn't you? And I was like, you told me, right? Like, I, I had health benefits. <laughs> I have a two-month-old. We don't even have insurance. We can't pay for health insurance. If and, and I started to freak out a little bit. I was like, okay, next week it'll be okay. I'll go in and talk. I went in and talked to the, the dude again. And I was like, okay, I don't know if I didn't explain this well enough, but I knew I'd, like, you think I'm exaggerating. I said so many times, 40 hours. And then I asked him, can I get 40 hours? You don't understand. I have a two-month-old, and you told me, Oh, yeah, next week, like, we just had uh, a bunch of people, I don't know what he said, like, needed hours this week. So next week, oh, yeah, it was someone was quitting. So next week there will be hours, and you can have their hours. No worries. I'm like, okay, that's fine. Next week, 20 hours. I'm like, what? Okay, so I go talk to again. Same thing. All right, yeah, they, they were going to leave, and now they didn't leave but we'll get you hours. We can get you at least like 35. Okay, that's good. I did some math. 35 is great. Um, 
next week, 24 hours. Better. Uh, if you could do math, about halfway there. Like, we got a ways to go. And so I'm like, oh, okay. Again, look at me in the eye. 40 hours. <laughs> yes, they, okay. Then, next week, I was about to, so we lived in Fairbow still. It's an hour away. I was co coffee shops in Minneapolis. And so when I opened, the shift started at like 5.30. And so I had to be there by 5.30, which means I would have to leave Fairbow by like 4.15. So I had to get up at 4. And it, we had a two-month-old who was insane, still is, but I love her. Um, didn't sleep, fell asleep about midnight. So it's midnight. I'm about to go to bed, sleep four hours, hopefully. I check my schedule because I'm like, oh, I got it. I'll check it. I check my schedule. And it said, for the next week, it's just released. It said 12 hours. 12 hours. I didn't sleep that night, obviously. I went on to every website, put out my resume everywhere. 12 hours. And then I was like, you know the moment where you're looking at your situation and you're like, God, are you real? I'm, so, uh, I'm sorry, but did you not tell me to do this? Like, it was pretty clear. We stepped out. 12, like, how can you support a family on 12 hours a week? So I had a moment with God where I, for about 10 minutes, I was like, you're not, I, you, I don't think you're real. But then I just sensed peace, you know? And I just remember just sensing, I didn't hear God say anything. I didn't, like, there's nothing. It was just, I just sensed him. And so we kept walking, and I ended up getting another a different coffee shop job and I did two training shifts there and I hate it like I felt like I was gonna puke afterwards literally I'm not trying to be extreme I was like this is not the job and then I was praying about it and, and so I just felt God say as I was praying clearly like the old job the old coffee shop and said that will work out quit that's where you need to be and I was like we just did this. I left. <laughs> I had benefits. And the job I just have, I was, I'm an assistant manager. So, like, 40 hours is the bare minimum. And I, and I was like, okay. So, I quit that job and went back. And then my first week back, the man, there's two, there was two cafes for this coffee shop. And the manager of or my friend who was the assistant manager at the one that I was at, who I became friends with, um, he took over the other location because the manager quit suddenly. And so they just sent him over there, and then he was able to get me part-time hours at the other one. So then I had part-time at both. So I had about 20 at one and about, like, 15 or 20-ish so at the other. And then I was full-time. Um, and then I was able to do that, and I actually made more money than when I was a youth pastor. 
uh, <laughs> at a coffee shop, that's a whole different story. But I just remember that, and I, I look back at that moment a lot, and I know that, I know that A, Jesus knows, and B, Jesus provides. Because it's crazy, these people that were following Jesus, they were only in the place of need and desperation where they needed him to provide because they followed him. If they weren't following Jesus, they would have been at home eating dinner that was provided for by them. But they followed Jesus, and he led them into a place of need and a place where he had to come through. And I wonder if we miss out on what Jesus wants for us because too often we resist stepping into the place of need. Stepping into the place where he has to provide. Stepping into the place where he has to come through. And trusting him throughout the process. Because listen, he does not always come through right away. Sometimes you have to have a 12-hour work week. But the greatest thing, Matt and worship team, we're going to go back into worship so you can come back up. Uh, Matt and whoever else. Me, I guess. Um. The greatest part about this whole narrative is not that it's, it's not about the miracle. We focus on this, and the first time I read this, I was like, oh, yeah, you got to follow Jesus, and you got to step out into the unknown, otherwise you're going to miss out on the miracle. That might be true. But it's not about the miracle. Following Jesus isn't about putting yourself in desperate situations just so that he can come through. Following Jesus is about putting yourself in desperate situations because that's where Jesus is. It's not about the miracle. It's not about the provision. It's not about the breakthrough. It's about being with Jesus. It's not about the healing. It's not about the peace. It's not about anything. It's not about the calling. It's not about the career. It's not about anything about other than being with Jesus. Listen, if we would just focus on being with Jesus, then he will lead us into situations where we need him, and he will provide. He will come through. But if we're focused only on the situation, we're going to miss the Jesus moment in the situation because it's not about about miracles. It's all about Jesus. It's always been about Jesus, and it's always going to be about Jesus. He is the center of your story, and he is constantly writing your story. All you have to do is submit to his process and say, Jesus, I just want to be where you are. I just want to be with you. I just want to be in your presence, Jesus. I just want to be used by you, and when we do that, we'll step out in faith, and he will come through and we can watch him work and we can watch him provide and we can watch him move. Am I talking to anybody this morning? It's all about Jesus. Jesus provides. The greatest thing, listen, that Jesus provides for us is a new life. It's a new life. Jesus, listen, the gospel, I love this simple truth. become a cliche, but it's so true. The gospel is not about, and Jesus is not about making bad people good. He's about making dead people alive. So when we come to Jesus, it's not like we're made good and we're made moral. 
It's not about that. It's about when I come to Jesus, my soul that's dead, that's dying, that's decaying, that's going to be separate from him forever someday, that piece of me, the darkness that you feel cannot be redeemed, the part of you that you hide and you shield away that nobody knows about, that's the part that Jesus loves, and that's the part that he redeems, and that's what comes to life when you come to Jesus. Do you feel dead? Do you feel like you've been sleepwalking? Do you feel like you've just been existing through life? Do you feel like you've even come to church and you've lifted your hands and, and you've follow Jesus but you haven't given your life to him I wonder am I talking to anyone this morning that feels dead on the inside that says Jesus I want you to make me alive this morning maybe you made that decision a long time ago and you felt dead and you've been pulling back and you haven't trusted him and that doubt has masked your identity in him and now you don't know who you are and you say Jesus this morning I want you to make me alive once again if that's you with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want you to raise your hand if you say, Jesus, I want you to make me alive. Because Jesus provides new life for us. Jesus will make you new. He will rewrite your past. doesn't matter how long you've half-heartedly followed him. I think we have a lot in our culture of people who half-heartedly follow Jesus, but they never let him come in and make them fully alive. And when you let Jesus make you fully alive, your whole trajectory of your future changes. The inside, from the inside out, you will change. You'll become like him. But it all starts with saying, Jesus, I want to be made alive in you. We're going to pray for the people that slipped up their hands. Jesus... You know the hearts. You know the stories, God. And I pray this morning that a shift will happen. That souls will come alive in you, God. You're the God of life. You breathe new life into us. You came to make us alive. You came to give us a purpose. You came to make us feel whole and lead us towards eternity in heaven with you, God. So we love you and we trust you this morning, God. Let this be the defining moment in our lives where we say, Jesus, I just want to be with you. It's so much bigger than the miracle. It's so much bigger than the provision. It's so much bigger than the breakthrough, God. It's just you. I just want to walk with you. I just want to be with you. God, in your name, amen.